today is actually the E sides, as in the emergency sides, as in this is a special mini episode of the B sides, all about one topic. And can anybody guess what that topic is? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's Lover, as uh, as the title will tell you. I'm Hannah Zoe. I'm Becky. I'm Mimi. And we are the B-Sides, and we're so happy that you're all here to dissect uh, this amazing and complicated new album that just came into our ears this week. Mm-hmm. Yay. Um, okay, so here's what we're going to do today. We are going to go into um, our overall impressions of this work of art. Then we're going to go into some of the themes that we see that Taylor has really honed in on for this 18-track beautiful thing that she created. Um, then we're going to go into some of our favorite moments. And then if we have some more like song specific notes about um, just our thoughts about some specific songs, if we have time for that. We'll get into that all while shouting out some of the thoughts and feelings that you all have shared with us over the last few days since Lover dropped on Friday. So yay. Yay. Um, and we should say that we are, uh, we are assuming that if you're listening to this episode of the B-Sides, you have listened to Lover. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not going to like go too much into like explaining different songs to you because we kind of hope that you know them. <laughs> and you should listen to them. If not, Taylor a few months ago did a kind thing and put all her music back on Spotify. So yeah. Well, I bought Reputation because couldn't listen to it anywhere. I do think I want to go to Target and buy the deluxe album though. I was thinking about that too, as I was just mentioning before that I've been perusing the Taylor Swift Reddit and there are some <laughs> really cute photos of people next to the target with the taylor swift deluxe albums i love it and her journals look really like interesting like i kind of want to get in her head a little more although Uh, i feel like her head is a scary place to be in one of them is the draft language for all too well i saw that did you see that movie no oh my god they're they're interesting because it's different yeah it's not that different but it's different enough that like you can see kind of how she thinks about it but yeah maggie gyllenhaal still makes a a, an appearance in the original (laughs) draft lyrics (laughs) my sister's house your sister's house um okay so what do you guys think of the album like overall what are your impressions where does it stand in her like catalog what are we thinking about about lover i think that whenever a taylor swift album comes out everyone who's a stan or not a stan is like immediately positions it against previous albums and it's like well this one and like i think we can all on earth agree that reputation is not the best taylor swift album um but people be like 1989's best still red's the best still and all this stuff and it happened again um but i think that this album i think it i think it was great and i think it was a it played on a lot of her strengths from i think every single previous album Mm -hmm. um overall there's something for everyone and to me that made it sort of a palate cleanser Uh in a sense because like reputation was so sort of like for the most part aside from a few outliers on one's on one side of uh her personality and in a way that's kind of cringy um but this was not this sort of like took a step back and was overall a little more mature in some ways yeah. sonically um thematically to a degree um but i just think that it was kind of like a a palate cleanser of a mm-hmm. seventh album seventh album <laughs> jesus um wow. and in that way it sort of like went back to some of her roots or some of her 
um, greatest assets as a pop star. Yeah. Um, but also like kind of makes a way forward for her as palate cleansers often do. Becky, what do you think? I like this album. I'm not at a love yet of it. Um, I have, I've listened to it a lot, but not nearly as many times as I think I need for some of them, but I have been skipping songs. Ooh, already? Already. Well, I clearly skipped You Need to Calm Down and Me uh, when listening to it the first time. But yeah, there's some songs like London Boy. I'm like, no, thank you. I don't need to listen to this right now. (laughs) And like, but like, I, but if I, when I re-listen to Red, I don't skip any songs the same way that when I re-listen to 1989, like, I don't skip any songs. Like, I even listen to Welcome to New York, which <laughs> I at first was like, why is this even a song? That's brave. <laughs> yeah. But now I'm like, oh, this is, you know, I'm into this. But who knows? Maybe upon listening further of this album, there's songs I won't skip. But like, yeah. London Boy, I already am like, you're done. I don't need to listen to this. Scooter. Scooter. I love that. <laughs> um, I feel like I I really like this album too. And I feel like um, I kind of am breathing a sigh of relief on this, which I kind of, I actually feel like I've breathed a sigh of relief over the last few albums. Honestly, like ever since Red, I was like, is she ever going to be able to top this? And then when 1989 finally came out, I was like, oh, okay, this is good. And then Reputation was like possibly going to be absolutely horrible. And then I was like, okay. Some of these songs are annoying, but actually, like, there's we got delicate and we got getaway car. Like, we're happy. Um, and um, dress a lot of good undress. I mean, don't blame me. So it goes. There's some great songs on Reputation. Um, I just think it was as a concept, not executed as well as the concept yeah. of Lover was executed. Like, I agree. I like, right. And I also like what I like about Lover is that it brings back some of her country roots that I think that she totally got away from on Reputation. And with collaborating with the Dixie Chicks and with other songs, yes, it was very pop heavy with our friend of the pod, Jack Antonoff, Um, but it still got us really back to her country, part of her country roots, which she's so good at. Well, just to speak on that, um, I think that something that was really interesting about like the way that you know, it's nice to have a friend and um, soon you'll get better that have these like country roots is that like when that, when she had done that in the past few albums, even remembering Red and how some of those songs, people were kind of like, is this country? Is this pop? Like make a decision. At this point, she's transcended those dichotomies, right? And she's kind of like, you know what? I can make a song that's with the Dixie Chicks. That is like a beautiful song. that's probably going to be played at the country music awards with them. I can imagine. Um, That's just my my prediction right now, unless it's too vulnerable for her. Um, But also- all these other things um, and that are super pop and super of the moment. And I think that she's at a place in her career and of who she is as a person where she doesn't have to stick to one label or another. And no one is actually imposing those labels on her anymore. Like, I just haven't heard that in, the, in all the think pieces that have come out in the last few days. I haven't heard anybody be like, why was there this one country song? I think people are actually satisfied. Yeah. I mean, and, and as you know, to the Rolling Stone called it an evolutionary, not revolutionary, but it's in a good way. I think that you can listen to this album and it fits into like how she sort of moved because there was a hard turn from Red Mm -hmm. to 1989. People were like, whoa, Taylor's like not the Taylor that we know because she went very, um, I don't want to say like 180, maybe 90 degrees. She Mm -hmm. made a 90 degree. (laughs) And it was, and that was on purpose. I remember like learning about, you know, I think that, 
what was it that Red lost the Grammy that she thought she was going to get? And that was the moment where she decided she really has to like pick one thing and get really good at it. So she was like, I'm going to pick pop. I'm going to like dominate. And that's what 1989, that's what the goal of 1989 was. And she, she killed it. I was reading a lot that people were saying that this album was better than 1989, which I don't personally don't think so, but that's what some uh, other yeah, reviews of, there, of the album are saying. I love this album. I have not skipped songs yet, although there are definitely songs I don't enjoy listening to as much as others, but I'm just like, I'm, I'm not at the level yet where I'm skipping songs. I'm even listening to me and you need to calm down and appreciating them a little more actually, although they're still the worst on the album. Um, I think I, that like, music videos make them worse. Oh yeah. I mean, they're just, she does. I don't think I does, would hate me. The worst singles first. Oh, I don't think I would hate me if I hadn't seen that stupid music video that went along with it. I mean, it's literally wild to me that they changed the lyrics for the album. Because think about that. Can we just like take a pause on in the yeah. overall impressions and talk about how they changed the lyrics of me? Because that must have been so much backlash for them to have to change the lyrics. Because I don't know another time that a pop artist has released a lead single, gotten any pushback of which there always is some sort and then changed the song i don't know why she didn't go with with cruel summer as her oh well because she never does she never she doesn't know know. she never goes with good songs (laughs) yeah why does she always do this where i'll end i'll end the thought there no why does she always do this where she every time now becoming formulaic at this point because it's happened three times in a row, four times in a row, where she releases two very bad songs comparatively that are not characteristic of the rest of the album. And then um, the rest of the album is very different from that. And we talked about that this in the last E-Sides, but you need to calm down. And we speculated that she would probably be doing this again. And she did. We can say now, why does she always do this? Like, does she like living in this? There's no... She, her, her image is so, um, like she knows, she knows how to poise herself when she, she knows how to get what she wants and she knows how to position herself. So it's not like just like a blunder every single time. There's something formulaic to it. And I want to know what it is because it's, does she like living in this like one to two month period where people are just like, what the, like just about her, she like getting people riled up and then being like, no, no, here is my album. It's very good. And heart-wrenching this is the plot twist that i keep bringing to you every time so it's no longer a plot twist but why is this why is this the case every time like what is she like sort of like getting this uh wrapped kind of negative attention and then kind of like turning it around every time when the whole album comes out and like redeeming herself it's just i don't know maybe she's like me and wants to set extremely low expectations me me and then it comes out and you're like, oh my God, incredible. But if she had released Cruel Summer first and then you were like, oh my God, what a great single. And then the album came out and you'd be like, there's some really shitty songs on this album. Maybe, yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> that's actually really true. Um, I mean, I feel like, you know, part of why people are generally including us liking this album and thinking that it fits as like the natural next step. There's no like huge plot twist, I would say about this album. It really does just track with what we wanted from her and with what she has been like laying the expectations for. I mean, the thesis of this album is that we are what we love. That's 
uh, made explicit and implicit in like many occasions. Um, I find that really beautiful and like a really great thesis for someone who is this powerful in pop culture to take on. And <laughs> there is just like part of me that is annoyed because she she says she doesn't want to be defined by what she hates but this is the thing that we always get back to with Taylor is like, well, you, you're the one who sets that narrative more often than you think you do. Um, so like when the first song on your album is called, I forgot that you existed, but not someone you hate, I'm like, well, that's you defining yourself against someone that you hate. I will say at first I was like, I actually, I, like when I woke up on Friday morning to listen to this album and the first song was, I forgot that you existed. I was like, come on Taylor. But then I kind of have warmed up to it. Cause I've, I'm understanding that that was her being like reputation era is over. I'm moving on from the way that I talk about my enemies. And now let's go. It's like, a, it is like the sonic version of the snake turning into the butterflies. Um, but I still am a little like with her thesis being, we are what we love. I'm like, yeah. Okay. So show it like prove that do it Taylor. Yeah, it's classic Taylor, though. It's classic Taylor. Do, so do we like the bops? We love the bops. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah. So the one other thing before we get into themes, because we're trying to make sense of where she's at with yeah. this album, yeah. is um, I saw what I thought was a great quote in Rolling Stone yeah. that said, it's the first time since Red she's attempted to gather together all the Taylors and sit them down for a summit. Yeah. You know, I love a visual. And... Mm-hmm. This was pretty good. I love a summit. Um, and this speaks to what I was kind of thinking about where people are always sort of like, uh, sort of like pushing her albums against each other and seeing like what the friction is. And sometimes I, it makes sense to me. And sometimes I'm like, what is the point of this? This quote goes on to say, but Red was seven years ago and there are a lot more new tailors in the mix. All over Lover, she's in touch with her younger self, Miss Americana and the heartbreak. Prince, the Half Blood Prince. <laughs> I, I thought the same thing. <laughs> I know. We're all there. We're all there together. Um, revisits the high school girl she was on Fearless. Also, when we were high school girls. Uh-oh. Just as Daylight updates the six month sober young adult romantic of 1989. Mm-hmm. The girl who sang about making her mom drop her off a block away from the party is now driving her mom to the hospital. The teenager with teardrops on her guitar is now a woman with guitar string scars. Mm-hmm. Yet on Lover, she wants to show why all these girls are authentically her. It's a palate cleanser. It's a palate cleanser. There it is. Makes me scared it's her last album. Yeah, but but you know what? I, I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. No, you I know, don't think I, so. Either. I know what you mean, though. I know what you yeah. mean. I don't think it is because that's what because I've decided it's a palate cleanser and that's not what a, a palate cleanser is before you like dive into another direction. You know, it's kind of like a way forward. Um, but it could also I'm really sticking with it and nothing can break me in this metaphor up. But I, no, I don't think like, she's going to retire from music. Yeah, I do think it is kind of like the the summit mm-hmm. or the pinnacle of kind of like all of the previous albums, whether or not it's the best one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And then two of the um, reactions we wanted to share from our B-Sides friends um, from uh, Instagram and from Facebook. Um, Harry said... Um, in terms of his like general thesis about this album um, is that this is a hard return to conventional heterosexual love themes alongside you need to calm down. 
I think that's real. Um, and besides friend Alex said, went in with no expectations and honestly was blown away by this whole album. Um, so I think that's generally our take. You know, we were, we were yeah. a little um, nervous about how this was going to turn out and we're really happy that it turned out well. So let's dive into some of the themes of this album. Well, I mean, the first theme that we just have to obviously name, because it is the name, is love and all its complexities. Um, did you all read the, like, intro to the album that accompanied the uh, hard copies? No, I, I didn't. It's, I mean, it's typical Taylor of, like, being really, like, poetic and, like, putting her lyrics into, like, a journal entry about the, you know, framing of the of the album and it actually ends with what the um the spoken part of daylight ends with it's like mm -hmm. the same lines um about like i want to be defined by who i love and not what i'm afraid of and all that kind of stuff um and i i really think that's like a nice message um and i mean i think mimi you had an idea that it's kind of like similar to a jenny lewis lyric you are what you love and not what loves you back Jenny Lewis, 2006. Um, we can cut that out. Who knows? You are you are what you love. No, but there are remnants of Jenny Lewis throughout this album. When Lover, the, the lead song Lover came out, I was like, this is a Jenny Lewis song. Yes. Yeah, that's real. There's a lot of good rock and roll, I feel like, on this album also, mm -hmm. in general. Um, yeah, I feel like the I appreciate that she really talks about love from a lot of different angles um, in terms of like romantic love um, and like family love. And I think there's like an element of like loving herself and what it means to um, love yourself when you are a complicated and like uh, just difficult person, which I think she now owns as part of her personality. Loving her cats. Loving her cats. I still don't understand. It's nice to have a friend. I don't know what the point of that song is. I'm really confused I think about her cats. If you look at the Spotify thing, like her, when you listen to things on Spotify, the like 10 second videos are all different. And this one is just about her cats. Really? Okay. That's my theory. That. That's wild. I don't know, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Well, the next theme, mm -hmm. I mean, this is also about um, someone who's about to be looking at her 20s mm -hmm. in the rear view instead of making sense of them while she's yeah in them um so that's a that seems like a big part of it too yeah you know throughout yeah i feel like um so specifically like the word 20 shows up i think three times in the album right have i loved you 20 seconds or 20 years and i've been sleeping so long in a 20-year dark night um which i think is her basically being like my 20s taught me a lot and i'm uh moving on and I, I like that. I think that she is someone who, I mean, going back to our speculation about how this is like clearly not, she's not done anytime soon. And I think that she's just getting started. I think she's kind of like, you know what? I'm like ready to be in my thirties and be this like really cool. I hate to say it because it's not fair, but older pop star. Um, although a lot of our like favorite pop stars are actually like well into their thirties and forties at this point and they're still killing it. And she's like, I'm not going away. I'm going to be um, someone who's going to be here for a long time. And my, like, I'm going to grow along with everybody else. Um, she, she was talking about this on her interview this morning um, on like the Sunday CBS or good morning America. She was on that. She was like, I feel so much more like confident in who I am now than I did a couple of years ago that like I'm able to speak up and advocate for my needs the way I didn't before. I love that. 
I, I think that's awesome. Um, yeah, so I think that it comes up as like different themes in terms of like how she's growing and also when she says it explicitly that she was in a 20-year dark night. I think yeah. that's kind of what she's getting at. I think so too. Our next theme is the theme where we probably could talk about this forever, but we'll try to reel it in because it, <laughs> it's just like a narcissism, right? This is not a thing that she wrote in her like no. mood board, but it's there. It's and- so classic Taylor though. It is. I mean, say more about that. Like, what makes it... No, I just think that, like, every song... Like, so, again, back to this GMA things. I just watched it, but they, like, joke that that she's, like, oh, the person interviewed her, I forgot her name, was, like, oh, like, you always have, like, a song shout-out to your haters. Right. She's, like, ah, ha, ha, guess I do. And it's, like, no, but, like, you know you do. Like, you You write these songs. And she's, like... You, you have know, agency like, in this, Taylor. <laughs> like, I wish that, like, they would just leave me alone, but they don't. So, like, I'm going to keep writing about them. Yeah. And I guess it's maybe not about narcissism, but it feeds that in that, like, I'm so self-important. I have haters, and I'm going to release a song about them. Yeah. I mean, so um, besides friend Elizabeth said um, that she really liked – I mean, it seems like that she liked I Forgot That You Existed. She says, it's a poppy bop, simple and fun, not her best, but appreciate the transition note from Reputation. She gets that she needs to move on from parts of her past. So I think it's overall, like, I Forgot That You Existed and some of those themes are landing well with people, at least better than they could have. But I still am like, you didn't have to put this on your album. You actually didn't have to. Like, you could have not. Right. There are 18 songs. Yeah. And we're grateful for that, but there didn't have to be. There didn't have to be. Um, And I think another, like, piece of the narcissism puzzle is um, I'm pretty pissed about Afterglow. Mm -hmm. I'm an Afterglow hater. I'm sorry to say. You are too, too, Mimi. Yep. I mean, I, I haven't th- listened close enough to it. I, you both said that, but I haven't like, I like yeah. the, I like it the way it sounds, but I, I like haven't the listened to love to the lyrics. I think it's just a really narcissistic view of fighting with your partner and apologizing. Um, like, you know how, when you start meetings in social justice spaces and people are like, let's like make sure that we focus on impact, not intent, you mm-hmm. know, it's like literally the opposite. It's like, well, I didn't mean it. Mm-hmm. So please forgive me. And it's like, it's, if you listen to the lyrics, it's just, it's literally like one-on-one how not to fight with your partner and how not to apologize because it like doesn't really, it, it takes responsibility in a very um, like woe is me way, but not in an actually like, I see what I did to hurt you. I'm going to do something differently next time because like, I'm really sorry. And, and I've learned from this. It's more like, oh, I mess everything up. Don't I like come meet me in the afterglow where this doesn't matter anymore. Cause I'm ready to just skip the hard part. Is like, yeah. And it's. The same as her being like, oh, my haters, I guess I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's glamorizing something that absolutely does not deserve that. And I agree. I like, I, I'm especially mad because I like the music. So I, mm-hmm. I can't dismiss it in a way where it's like trash mm-hmm. musically and then also lyrically. Um, and I listened to it the first time when I was like on the metro and the like noisy Friday morning mm-hmm. commute. And I was like, oh I like this but I wasn't paying attention to the lyrics and then I listened to it again and I was like oh this is actually like uh very irresponsible for someone with a massive platform and fans and kids who look up to her who are very young and probably navigating their first relationships um of of many different kinds um to be to be sort of glamorizing fighting this way and I don't know. 
And I, I actually like to be clear, if you're going to make an album that is about love and all its facets, I think it is so cool and so awesome to have a song about fighting mm-hmm. because it's a huge part yeah, of relationships. I yeah. feel like that's a really good and healthy. I mean, maybe Lemonade is all this, <laughs> you know, maybe stay, Lemonade. Stay, stay. Yeah. Stay, stay, stay. Right. Exactly. It's like, right. goodbye, Earl. Yeah. Earl has to die. There's that. But actually, it's funny that you mentioned stay, stay, stay. I didn't think about that. But that is the same kind of thing. It's like, we're in a fight, but then you're like, haha, I'm wearing a football helmet now. Mm-hmm. Stay, stay, stay. Everything's fine. It's like, do you know how to have, a, and at that point, you can like kind of write it off and be like, you're a 22 year old writing a song about a relationship you've never actually been in. Because I think even like the notes of that song were like, I don't remember, but the album, the liner notes were something like one day or like as if it was like mm-hmm. a relationship that she hasn't had yet that ends, that like fights end well. But I'm like, wow, you've like really not learned how to like be, I mean, clearly I'm a little wrong because if she's actually been with Joe for three years, then that is clearly something's going like relatively well. But I just, if I was Joe, I'd be like, don't, this is not how we fight. Mm-hmm. Or this is not how we should fight. Um, I think the other um, bullet point we wanted to get to in this narcissism theme Um, that's like the good part of it. It's just, I do appreciate that she's self-aware of how powerful she is. There was, there's so much self-referential in this album that I think is so cool. I think so too. And it's what she talks about on this interview that I think that now she's evolved. And I do think that's something that comes with time and knowing yourself. And like, she grew up in the spotlight too. She's been famous since she was like 13 or 14, like playing the country in the, in places in Nashville that now I think she seems way more self-assured than yeah. she's ever been before. And that may be that she's in a really good, healthy relationship with Joe. Yeah. So, I think it's very possible. I mean, scooter. I think- <laughs> Sorry. I like that song. <laughs> you do? Maybe you like London Boy? I like London Boy. And my only excuse is that I'm an Anglophile and yeah, I sure. it speaks right. in, in my bones inexplicably since I was like seven. So I don't know. But it is. Scooter. I do like the beginning of that too. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the, the most clear self-referential piece, first of all, all the, the nods to colors. She talks about colors um, in every yeah. album, not just red. Um, and they're like, I remember she posted on Tumblr, like something like many, many years ago about like how she wanted a golden love or something. And um, that has been, that was a theme in reputation as well. The word golden and golden is now like blue versus golden is like in a ton of songs on this album. And then there's one where she's like in daylight when she's like, I once believed love would be burning red. When I first heard yeah. that, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, hey. <laughs> I was like, that's it so is, cool. It is really good. It is really good. I, it. I think I actually might have teared up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Blue, The Feeling, and in Cruel Summer. Yeah. Blue in the album. Yeah. yeah. Actually, talking about the blue in the album gets us to our next theme, which is stoking the fires of whether or not she is queer. And whether or not she's still dating Carly Claus, because there's so much that you can break down if you want to be a Kaler truther, which honestly, I'm on the fence myself about whether or not I am. Um, But there's like a few times when she's like, I want to be with you, even if it makes me blue or something like that. I'm forgetting the exact lyric. This is like, I listened to it a million times, but it's still not, you know, in me yet. Um, And that I feel like is kind of, it's like, really? that you don't want to be with someone blue. You've made that very clear. Like every song you've ever written with the word blue in it, are you just like, I guess I have to be with a beard, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually like broke down some of the lines in advance that we think kind of point to either Carly or 
uh, that she's still dating Carly or um, that she's with Joe. I mean, I feel like the one that is the most clear that like screamed literally and figuratively is I don't want to keep secrets just to keep you in Cruel Summer, which was written with St. Vincent, gay icon, and embedded in the same hot lesbian crew as Carly via Cara Delevingne. So, I mean, their case closed there. <laughs> Airtight evidence. Well, there's also on the Reddit page saying that she was secretly dating Joe for a while, too. Secretly dating Joe? Yeah, in 2016, before they, like, went public. Oh, that makes sense, because a lot of things all the people are saying is, um, in Lover, like, I've loved you three summers, and yeah. then the math doesn't add up, because they weren't dating in summer of 2016. Yeah, so there's, like, a lot of stuff that they were, like, secretly together then okay literally we have to talk then about the song i think he knows because literally if you look at the lyrics it's literally about yeah. having a beard it, it just is it's like I yeah think he knows that i want you it's like i mean that's that's a that's reductive but it's like the way that they that she uses the second and third person of being like i think he knows that when we are together or something it's like is really about having a beer, and even the title is like I think he knows. Yeah, I mean it's. A lot. I can't wait for the PowerPoint on this. Oh, there needs to be. I think that's going to be really helpful. But I think that's a big that's a big part of it. Yeah, that's that might be the linchpin of this PowerPoint. Is I think, I think so. he knows. Right. I was thinking about that too. I was like, because songs don't usually um, change perspective like that, or change you know the the pronouns like that uh, in the middle. So I'm looking up the lyrics because I really You'll have to convince me on this because I'm honestly really don't think that she's queer, but um, I need some okay. I need some convincing. Here's some of the convincing of I think he knows. First of all, the title. That's all. Sure, we sure, sure. But the yeah. other ones are like, um, there's a line make make me want to know that body like it's mine, and there's just something about that that sounds gay to me. You know, like. Uh, if you know a body like it's yours it's because you have similar bodies and she and Kayla and she and Kayla she and Carly look like and then there's the pre-chorus which says he got that boyish look that I like in a man I am an architect I'm drawing up the plans so it's kind of like okay I've I've I, I got I've I have identified him as a good beard I mean people who are Kayla truthers believe that Joe is like supportive of right of, of Carly and Taylor like so it's not like they're in a secret and then it's like it's like I'm 17, nobody understands, no one understands. And there's a lot of evidence that that is when she was like first coming out and dating that girl, Emily, that was in her band. So I think I'm an architect. I'm drawing up the plans. Okay. Okay. So song, that's called I Think He Knows. I don't know. It just sounds, it just okay. sounds weird. Okay. I, I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> and in Paper Rings, uh-huh. I hate accidents except for when we went from friends to this. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's also that that she was friends with Joe before they look started dating. Let me not make like <laughs> too much of an overarching claim about heterosexuality, but it's way less like that. It's way less like we were friends for a long time, and then like, whoops! It's either like yeah. it's kind of like you kind of know, you kind of know going into it, even if you are friends first. If there's something there, it's just a little. All of our uh, queer friends on our <laughs> high school group there, I would say, like, this is very gay. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, I can. Makes me sad that she wouldn't come out. That's all. I know. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I, what I've understood now, like, getting more into the, like, Kayla Truther world, 
even though I haven't actually picked a side, is that like she and Carly are actually okay with the status quo because like that's why they leave so many like Easter eggs for people is because the people who support them like want to see continued proof, but they don't really feel the need to like come out more broadly and they're like doing fine. Yeah. She also talks about, again, in this GMA interview that I suggest everyone watch, it's quick, it's 10 minutes, about how like- Yeah, there's so much content. So heavily stocked Uh and like everywhere she carries around wound dressing everywhere she goes because she's so afraid that she's going to get attacked. So I think that there's probably a deep-seated fear in her too, that even though she came out with you need to calm down, whatever, that like if she did actually come out as queer, she would be putting herself in danger physically oh oh my god so i mean i think my personal um where i am right now with with this is that i think she and carly did date and i think they broke up and i think she's with joe like i that is actually what i think at this point well there's also the theory that getaway you know getaway card the dress is about her and in cruel summer it implies that it's a short relationship Mm. and like a bad thing that was intense and then fizzled out and that could have been about Carly. Right. That, that, that they were together, but it just fizzled. Yeah. Or that it ended, you know, so it was quick. So that's one of, that's one of our themes. Yeah. Another theme that we see a lot in this album and also she talks about the good morning America segment Uh is sort of this like, uh, Taylor Swift feminism, white girl feminism, uh, which is honestly evolved a lot in these past couple of years. And you see it on reputation in here too. Um, the song, the man, Mm-hmm. is about how people undervalue her um, as an artist and especially as a woman. And it seems like a big fuck you to the people who have screw- uh, wronged her in the past. I think it's another fuck you to Kanye yeah. uh, yet again. And she talks about in the GMA interview about how like, you know, I have to give it to her. She's pretty articulate. She, I don't want to say, I don't remember exactly what she said because I'm not as articulate as she was in this moment, but she talks about how the difference between women and male artists and how, when a male artist like has planned something out they call it strategic and when a woman is doing something like they call it plotting or something or calculated or, or calculated that's the word they call it calculated mm. um, and it was the first time ever it was like she'd taken like a one-on-one class on like in a gender studies like college um but i was like good for you like you're talking about it and i don't know if you guys read the guardian uh, interview yeah. With her and she talks about how she never used to understand her white privilege until recently. Yeah. And how she's like grappling with that. So I think that there's been a change yeah. within here. I do think The Man is like a bad song. I like it, but you you guys both don't like it. I mean, I don't like it. Um, I actually think Mimi has the perfect uh, quip about it. It's funny because since I, since I thought of this quip, last night um, when I was at a wedding for one of my coworkers. One of my work friends, well, work friends for six weeks and now, and then she left and now we're friends. Um, but she is a friend of the pod mm-hmm. and we were talking about this last night and she, cause she was like, I saw all of your rankings of songs and I didn't agree with any of that. Not true. She did agree with some of them, but um, like I had the man as I think it was last. Dead I think last. I had a does dead last and she was like, that was one of my favorite ones. She was like, it's great to run to. And I just mm-hmm. think that like for all of the problems we have with Taylor, she needed to, she needed to get this off her chest because yeah. she has been framed in a lot of ways that, um, 
that she would she took she's taken a lot of heat that she would never have to take as a man yeah and I was like okay fair enough but um aside from me not just like personally loving the music of the song um it just felt like a kind of like Hillary Clinton adjacent fight song kind of like diluted woman presidential bid sort of (laughs) anthem that's just how it felt to me and it just and it just felt a lot like um in this vein of white girl feminism this sort of like girl boss thing (laughs) where it's like it's just tired it's just tired and it's just it is like toxic in its own way and it's you know it's like we're like independent and strong and free thinking but we are also we also like can't help but be inextricable to to the men that we have to position ourselves against in this moment um and it's it also it almost like it's like she's implying almost that she would thrive uh better under accelerated capitalism if she were a man (laughs) it's like i'm sorry there it is you've been you've been thriving under accelerated capitalism taylor swift what more do you you know yes it's a race and like all of the you know kind of imagery in there i'm just kind of like I don't, I don't know. It just didn't sit well with me, Yeah. but I do understand why some people like it. And if they like it and they embrace it, then I am here for that. Whatever works for you. Yeah. It's like, she's taking the beginner course. She's getting there. She's like learning the words. Like, Good job. Sweetie. Uh, yeah. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like there's a few parts that are really, I thought that she nailed it. And then a few parts that she didn't nail it. Like, mm-hmm the part exactly the this acceleration this race this i was gonna say racial imagery that's not what i meant race imagery um you know i wondering if i'd get there quicker if i was a man like get where quicker taylor you are the biggest pop star in the world i know you make the most amount of money i know i was like where would you be you don't have ariana grande's vocals like you will never have her vocals like i know You should be counting your blessings. You're not as talented. So there's like that yeah. piece. The the There's a few lines that I really think are amazing and really good for people to be hearing. Like, um, what's the exact wording of like, I wonder what it's like to be believed or like, like if, oh, when, so when everybody so, believes you, what's that like? She talks about survivor of abuse. Yeah. I think that's a really, really cool line. Like, huh, I fucking wonder what it would be like if people fucking believed me. Um, yeah. And I think that's really, I liked that. And I just feel like it has a very, like, Charlie XCX, Kim Petras, like, vibe as a song. Like, that's why I'm so surprised you guys don't like it. I just No, really- I like it. It was not... Boom, boom, boom. It was not my dead last. I liked it. It's just not my favorite. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, like, this is the, the broader theme in addition to this white girl feminism is, like, a few times in this album where she's, like, taking a swing. And she's missing a little, but she's not missing as much as, mm-hmm. as she used to miss. That's true. Right, would we? Yeah. And besides friend, Charlotte spoke to this as well. Um, She says via an Instagram DM, I think my biggest issue with the man is unlike some other feminist anthems, it's so centered on Taylor. Like if I was a man is about her struggle versus a larger issue of white patriarchy. So it just doesn't land. Like you're an ultra famous pop star with bags of money. She says, LOL. Your experience isn't relatable. Maybe it also just feels too little too late like a lazy attempt to join a conversation she elected to be absent from because it actually didn't apply to her. And you know what, Charlotte, I, I do, I see that. I really do. So those are some of our themes. Should we talk about some of our favorite moments from this album? Because yeah. we agree that we like it. Yay. Um, okay. Two of my favorites are, um, as I mentioned, the, uh, 
I once believed love would be burning red, but it's golden. Oh my God. I lost my mind. And it's like the last Beautiful. song and she's so good at last songs. She's just like really, really good at last songs. Um, and it made a lot of sense thematically, but also sonically. And also it's just like, I like the song and I like the, the bridge and post chorus is the best. And then the other thing, I can't believe we even talked about this song actually yet, is the bridge of Death by a Thousand Cuts, which is, I, that is today my favorite song on the album. The best. I love mm-hmm. that song. I love it. My heart, my heart. I can't, I don't know the word. I can't wait to go to a concert and sing that song. Uh, scream. Scream. That song, right. right? Yeah. <laughs> I think Sorry, it builds, correct. So, correction. I think it builds so well. That's actually something we've talked about in previous podcasts about that we really appreciate um, pop songs that know how to build. And that happens a lot. I actually think, um, I think he knows builds really well. It's not one of my favorites, but it really builds. Like that, like last few choruses are really fun. And the bridge of Death by a Thousand Cuts is just perfect. So those are two of my favorites. I love that. I love that song. Yeah. We all love that song. Um, you yes, know, I still Jack Antonoff song. I thought that was like, yeah, there it is. He, she co-wrote it with him. Nice. I, I still, I still love lover. Oh, so I think because it's because of the Jenny Lewis yeah. of it all. And do you, like the, do you like the music video? Yeah. I like, yeah. It. And I liked all the hints to, yeah. uh, other songs and lyrics and stuff. Um, and then cruel summer, of course, but mm-hmm. then, I also loved, and this isn't just because of the Dixie Chicks, Soon You'll Get Better, it's, I like that it uh, was kind of in the middle of the album, and it was just very different from every other song, and it is, it is a a tearful ballad about her mom, and I thought it was really interesting that it was in the middle. Um, For anyone else who's ever kind of had like an ailing parent or that kind of thing, it often kind of happens... It's not, it's not, it doesn't neatly punctuate your life. It just doesn't. And I think that's the way that worked in this album really well. Cause it, it was, it's art imitating life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, she actually talks about this song on yet again, good morning America. And she barely wants to talk about it. They ask her about it. And she's like, I don't want to talk about this song. Cause like, it's hard to make her cry even when it, which is my one hesitation on thinking that she'll do it at the CMAs because yeah, she really and it was it's also a callback to uh the best day off of her fearless album yeah. which is about her mom yeah so we don't it, honestly see that much about andrea it reminds me then actually of like it's her version of like ariana's song ghost in which she yeah. will never, which she has been like i will never play this song live but it's for me to get off my chest and to share with you all something that's like really personal and very special and a great song that i'm going to give you and you will never hear it live and that's the story. <laughs> I really liked Soon You'll Get Better. I, I, my first instinct was I wish that I had gotten more from the Dixie Chicks. Yeah. Like, it's beautiful, and they harmonize beautifully. But I, I was hoping more for a country, like, yeah. solid. But I do really like Soon You'll Get Better. I know. that's You have to hold both both truths, yeah. right? The one truth being that this is a beautiful song and that, that they all killed it together. And the truth that we were really hoping for, like – you know, the way that um, the Daddy Lessons performance with Beyonce yeah. and Dixie Chicks just brought out the best of both artists slash groups in this way that just like transcended time and space and music forever. I was kind of hoping that was like what this was going to be. But you know what? This was not what we expected. And we are we're so lucky to get it. But you know what? Maybe we'll get a great CMA performance of another song like Cornelia Street, one of my other favorite songs off yeah. the album. You know who else's favorite song of that is? 
Taylor's? No, I don't know. Lena Dunham. That's her favorite uh, song on the album. I forget it. Did, about I got to check. Did Jack Antonoff, did Jack do that song too? Probably. Let me see. No. Cornelia oh. Street, Lover, and shoot. What's the other one? Are, no. Three that's just Taylor. Only she Taylor. Pro- well, she produced. He produced. Uh, he produced. Did he produce the whole album? No. Because Joel produced- also did, who's a Lord person. Right, right. He Well, I Jack Antonoff is a producer for Cornelia Street, but you're right. She yeah. wrote it. She wrote it. You know who's not daylight. you know who's not a producer on this album? Uh Scooter Brown. Max Martin. Yeah. Max Martin is not on this album. I know. It's... I kind of am okay with it. Me too. Um anyway, we were talking about our favorite moments. Becky, what are your favorite moments? Oh, I was gonna say the Max Martin thing. You can kind of hear oh, it. Yeah. You can kind of hear that the album is different without him. Yeah. Cause he produces such stylistically poppy earworm songs that you kind of Yeah. You know, and there's not a lot of those here, no. which makes me wonder how radio-friendly this album's going to be, but I don't care. I'm, like, over yeah. it. It's good, and I'm happy, so ha, that's all that matters. Um, I think you guys pretty much covered all my other – all my favorite songs. I'm in agreement with you. Um, yeah, I'm like, looking through that, the album right now. I know that. I love Summer. The Archer. I still do. So good. Yeah. Cruel Summers is so good, and – yeah, I love the Archer. People I was seeing on my Instagram don't like it, but I think it's a great song. Um, it's a great Perhaps song. I am a Delicious. Jack Antonoff uh, apologist. <laughs> as as we'll see in just a few days when the next episode of the B-Sides drops. Stay tuned, yes. everybody. Um, I want to share um, a B-Sides friend's uh, favorite run, or not, not necessarily favorite run, but just a, a, a pre- impression of the album um, in, the, in terms of like our favorite moments and winners. So Sarah Sophia said, I just finished and don't even know where to start. Um, this was like, you know, early Friday morning. Um, she said the Cornelia Street, Death by a Thousand Cuts, London Boy, Soon You'll Get Better flow was a trip. And that is so true. Like the way that that all flows, that's like, even the London Boy makes me feel I'm not sure about it. I think the like the flow of it is wild. Where do people think Cornelia Street is? In Lower Manhattan? Mm-hmm. Question mark. Oh, really? I don't know. It's not in Lower Manhattan. I know she had a pop up and she went to it, but I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so. If you know, comment. Let us know in the comment below. Let us know. Holy ground finally gets a name, and the name oh. is Cornelia Street. You just blew up my life. My life is over. <laughs> You're right. Cornelia Street is in Lower Manhattan, but random. Random. Oh, maybe it's near where her house is in Tribeca. I mean, I think, yes. Yes. That's the impression. So those are our favorite moments, some of the winners. Um, and they all fit into what we what we largely believe is a fucking amazing album. And we all... <laughs> Our palates have been cleansed. We are breathing a huge sigh of relief as Taylor is too, right? She, you can tell she's relieved. You can tell that she's lighter and we are all lighter too for having Lover um, and for having you all. So thank you for joining us for this um, E-Sides episode. Um, I hope you really enjoyed it. I hope you all have subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most places that you can get the, uh, the album podcasts. I'm so album focused right now. Any last thoughts about Lover and our, our girl Taylor? Cannot wait for concert tickets. They're going to be so expensive. I've been saving. I just want to scream the cool summer lyrics at the concert. of our money is going to Taylor. Yeah. 
Yeah, sounds right. Um, which she doesn't need, but uh, she's earned. Yeah. Accelerated capitalism, baby. <laughs> she's killing it. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to this album on my long commute yeah. this week. Yeah. Every, all the time. And then, and then uh, sort of recycling it through right. for the rest of my life until the <laughs> earth burns. Exactly. Which is imminent. Um, so uh, we will be back actually very soon on Wednesday morning um, with an episode that is, drumroll please, all about Jack Antonov that Becky is going to be taking. We didn't plan it, but we planned it. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so make sure to stay tuned for Wednesday's episode. Um, so until the next time we chat with you all, um, I'm Hannah Zoe. I'm Becky. I'm Mimi. Bye, everybody. Bye.